Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, I mentioned a few times that in May, I'm going up to Detroit to check out my Tigers in Comerica Park, and I can guarantee you that my sister and I will be using SeatGeek to get some prime seats for those games. SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets anymore, whether I'm going to a game or a concert. I got the app on my phone, and I've been using it just kind of scout some things out, get, get a good feel for it before I purchase my tickets for May. And honestly, what SeatGeek has done is they've taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all available tickets on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate, though, all you got to do is go download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SLEEPER. Welcome to episode 334 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Monday, April 18th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? That's going pretty good. My my little one, or the, the bigger little one, changed turned to four this weekend. Happy birthday to Felix. Yes, Felix is four, and so he had two birthday parties. Whoa, that's uh, only, pretty nice. Only a- one of them included catastrophic diarrhea, so <laughs> that, was, uh, that was fun. For him or uh, for you? For him. Okay. Yeah, well, that's all right. Yeah, that's all... Well, really, honestly, when it when they're that age, for both of us. <laughs> exactly, because it, 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 it's something that you definitely have to deal with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's really funny. Well, happy birthday to him. Hopefully, he's feeling better, enjoying his two parties. If you get catastrophic diarrhea for a party, you got to run it back. Try to have another party where you can make it through. So, congrats to Felix on that. We've got a lot to talk about today, you know. We're going to talk a little bit about some closer situations, just kind of more generally that nothing's really happened too much except for that Minnesota situation that we talked about last week is has been firmed up a little bit more and then we're going to talk just a kind of a little bit about the strategy of identifying the next closer, how sometimes we we like a certain guy but he's second or third behind. And you can't just go with that because you like him better. It's a point that we're reiterating, but I think it's a, it's a point that you kind of have to keep reiterating because we get hung up on these guys that we really like. Uh, before we get to that, email us at sleeperpod at gmail.com. We did an email episode yesterday with Jason. We got, we're got we going to dip into the mailbag for a question today as well. Catch us up uh, catch up with us on Twitter at Sporer, at Eno Sayers, at Jason Collette. And always rate and review the podcast on iTunes. We love when you got a five-star and a comment for us. Let us know what you think. We're also going to get into some lower-level SPs today and talk about some starting pitchers who are definitely available in a lot of leagues um, off to strong starts, but but is it believable? I'll be asking you about these six guys just to see kind of where you're at. But first, as I mentioned, 
uh, that Minnesota situation. Once Glenn Perkins went on the disabled list, we talked about it. it looked like it was going to be Jepson first. We pointed that we pointed out that we do like Trevor May, but we know that ownership is nine tenths of the law, and and Jepson was definitely going to be the guy first. So far, so good. The Twins had a big weekend. He locked down two of their wins during the sweep of the Angels. So he's got that job right now. He does Kevin Jepson. Do you trust him as a as a foolish closer? Um, how how quickly do you think Perkins is even going to come back? Uh, yeah, you know, we we did talk about how Perkins was a cheaper closer because, like, early on in the offseason, we talked about how Perkins was, you know, was uh, kind of losing uh, his health and, you know, had fewer innings and more time on the disabled list every year. I remember we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I remember that we talked that uh, about the fact that we liked Trevor May, uh, but, you know, that we just couldn't figure out, and that was most recently we couldn't figure out what, the roles were in the pen because they weren't any good and they weren't winning any games. And, you know, it, once you can figure something out like that, like if we'd had these games and, you know, Perkins had still been in there and they'd won a couple games and we'd seen that Jepson was in the eighth inning, then there would have been no doubt at all because the very first thing you have to look at is roles and roles in the, in the bullpen because that's the easiest thing for a, for a manager to do is take the eighth inning guy and make him the ninth inning well, guy. Well, you've, you've been mentioning that from opening day because the the very first thing that we talked about was that Pittsburgh St. Louis game on, on Sunday and you had highlighted how they were used and how Neftali Feliz might be a guy to kind of keep an eye on. Obviously Watson's probably second in command behind Melanson, but that Feliz was used in a more higher leverage or at least a later position than Archimedes Camineros. Again, somebody that we love the skills, we love the velocity, but he might have to leapfrog several guys um, so that's something that we really have to keep in mind. Trevor May, I think we made the comparison to Hunter Strickland with him, another guy that we really do like. However, his situation improved this weekend, did Hunter Strickland. Unfortunately, it was for a bad reason. It's because Sergio Romo got hurt. We're never rooting for injury. Don't be a ghoul and do that. But the the elbow injury for Sergio Romo looks like it's going to be a long-term situation. I believe it's a flexor strain, which is oftentimes a precursor to Tommy John. Let's hope that's... Not the case for Sergio Romo, but now you're sitting there with Strickland second in command. What kind of league type would you go out and start speculating? Because um, obviously Santiago Casilla has the job, but if you're in need of saves, how low, how how few teams, like how, how shallow of a league would you start speculating on Hunter Strickland uh, should he get that job? Well, I'm about ready to turn in my Ken Giles card in a 12-teamer. <laughs> And I, 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 I held on to him because probably for too long, just because I, again, I will admit to my bias of liking good pitchers. It's a, it's a good bias to have. Whoa, come on, man. You can't go out there just liking good pitchers. Why don't, so, why aren't you a bigger yeah. Jared Weaver fan? Get I him on some of your teams. I didn't hold on to Caminero. I, you know, I did, didn't even have any Caminero shares in 12 teamers, but I didn't hold on to Caminero shares as soon as, or, or acquire any, as soon as I saw that Feliz was the eighth inning guy. And that's that's held strong. I mean, Kevin Nero is definitely a seventh inning guy, and uh, and he's behind. And he's been least struggling. And he's been struggling a little bit. But uh, you know, I, I'd be ready to turf my Giles share for for a Strickland share right now, just because Casilla. You know, watch him watch him close games. He lets too many balls in play. He has a below average strikeout rate, about average velocity. He's he's one of the most average closers in the game right now. And he's older too. That's another thing older. to consider. 36, and he just doesn't, doesn't have that velocity of that you that you want in the back pen. And if you look across at what Oakland did to revamp their pen, 
they went and they were like, well, you know what? We haven't had any velocity and in this back of this pen, so we're just going to go get a ton of velocity and see who works out. It's probably Ryan Madsen now. I mean, I know that Doolittle, I love Doolittle, and I think his stuff looks better than ever, but it's going to take him a little while maybe to command this new stuff because that's been his mistake so far. I've all been yanked pitches. 100%. He actually told me, I talked to him about the uh, the Rollins homer, and he said that was just yanked. That was his command. But he said the other homer. The Soto uh, one? Geo the Soto. Soto one. He said that was not uh, that was not command. That was sequencing. He said he's become too predictable, and all the guys in his division or that have seen him in the American League a lot of times, those guys all are ready for his pitches, and so he has to he has to switch things up more. So uh, that's going to be a little bit tough for him because he used to be a one pitch pitcher. It's a little bit easier now that he has three pitches for him to to mix things up, but that means he has to have confidence in his secondary pitches. Uh, and he needs to really sort of change as a pitcher. So in the meantime, Ryan Madsen is who Ryan Madsen was, minus a tick or two. And, uh, you know, that's good enough for now. So Ryan Madsen's a pickup. And uh, Strickland's a pickup, I think, for guys who are looking for a fourth closer and 12-teamers. I do think he's he's there. But we're still waiting for some fire and some smoke when it comes to Casilla. But... Yeah, because Casilla is still holding the job down right now. We, you know, It's not quite as good as it was last year when he did strike out over a batter per inning. It's actually closer to the 2013-2014 levels that we saw from Casilla under seven strikeouts, which, again, is, is why we are concerned that that amount of contact – even even considering that Casilla does probably have a little bit better velocity than than we generally think of when we first think of him, because I always feel like he's more of a 92, 93 guy. He's, he's at 93 and a half still at age 35. So I give I give Casilla some credit there. Really but he's a fly ball too. guy. What's that? He's really kept it too. He used to be Jairo Garcia and he used to be a flamethrower for the Athletics. And... I remember that when he was a hot prospect, and then he aged like five years overnight. But he he too often he wants to go for the grounder uh, over the. Over the strikeout, and uh, I think that'll that'll eventually get to him. So it, yeah, it's weird because this year he's at 31% ground ball, so he's not even getting the ground balls or the strikeouts. It's a weird thing, but it's only four and a third innings, so I don't want to paint him as this new type of guy. I'm just generally concerned about a 35-year-old closer who I don't see as overwhelmingly dominant. So uh, yeah, and the Giants aren't going to be, you know, they're not going to be the kind of organization that cares about arbitration awards. I don't think that if they if they want to win, 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 and if they th- they see anything more from Casilla. I mean, I think even in the Dodgers series, he was putting guys on. So, you know, if they see any more of that, then, you know, it's a possible thing. But, you know, I would say that, like, you know, a guy like Dyson, I would rather have. Same Dyson. You know, and Dyson, you know, in a way, Kayla, going into the season, Dyson was uh, choosing roles over over uh, stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. Because Kayla had, had great stuff coming into the season, and there wasn't any reason to bet against him except – that Dyson got saves in the playoffs. And that was one thing that I thought I was taking crazy pills and I had forgotten or other people had forgotten or something. But, you know, Dyson had always – Dyson got saves in big moments, and that was really That was awful. something that you reminded me of, really. I was the other way think, thinking, oh, no, Kayla, I was kind of getting in on him. And you're like, no, nah, Dyson, Dyson, Dyson. And the point that you'd always mention was – they went to him in the playoffs, the biggest uh-huh. part uh-huh. of the season for crying out loud. So that really sold me on him. I ended up with a couple shares that I've been hanging on to in really deep leagues with Dyson. Tollison's kind of gotten his stuff together uh, and gotten back on track a little bit. So that job isn't exactly open just yet. But 
nobody's saying that uh, that Sean Tolleson is a lockdown, guaranteed to keep the job kind of guy. But that five five run no out meltdown is going to make his numbers Tolleson's look pretty bad for a while. However, even with four scoreless outings since then, including two saves, he only has one strikeout in the three innings. You know, I don't uh, I don't want to freak out again uh, because it is three innings, four four outings, three innings. One of them was that uh, one pitch to Albert Pujols. But I would like to see some Ks. Let's, let's get some swings and misses here. Um, you know, that's going to stabilize quicker than anything else. It's only been 20 batters faced. But another another handful of outings here, another 10 or so outings, and that, that could be stabilized for Sean Tolleson. So if he doesn't get his strikeouts up, I think they can go to Dyson, you know, within the next month or so if, if Tolleson doesn't get back on track. Every let's, other... let's play a let's play a would you rather to help people okay uh, to help people place them. So we've got Ken Giles, Jason Grilly. I'm going to use uh, guys in yellow or red situations off the bullpen report. Okay, perfect. Uh, Ken Giles, Jason Grilly, Jumbo Diaz, uh, Tony Singrani, Trevor May. Uh, I'm going to take Ryan Madsen out of that. That's, he seems like a clear cut above. No, he's he's, he's a closer off. right now. I, I I honestly think that he should probably be listed above Doolittle at this current uh, moment. Yeah, and so for the same reason, I'll uh, leave Gomez out, even though I I, I mean he's <laughs> he'd be he's, last anyway. Can I just uh, say that? He'd be red in my chart. He's red in my chart. Yeah, forever red. <laughs> Fernando Rodney's probably forever red too. Uh, but just uh, take a grab bag out of uh, – I'm going to throw Maurer in there just because there's a little bit of fire there. Uh, Maurer, Farquhar, Dyson, Grilly, Singrani, Diaz, Giles. Uh, give me uh, two or three that you, you – and Strickland. Give me two or three guys you want out of that, that so grab. Strickland, someone I've been with from the jump, sticking with him, particularly since his situation just improved. Um, you've got me sold on Dyson, so I'm in there. And then, um, you know, Diaz, because we're talking about guys that are forever red for us. J.J. Hoover is forever red for me, blood red. I'm just not having it. I know Jumbo Diaz has his own has his own flaws. Uh, he can walk too many guys at times, but he throws smoke. He can get the strikeouts. He can even keep the ball on the ground. He's, he's got a 1-3 ground ball to fly ball ratio. Uh, of course, when he leaves it up, it can, it can leave the yard. That's a, a problematic spot for a closer. You don't want to have home run issues. But Hoover has even worse. He's just worse across the board. I, I just don't believe in him at all. So I'll go with Strickland, Dyson, Diaz. Those are the three that I'd be eyeing. Maurer, I like him too, though, because Fernando Rodney, your point about him being forever red, that's a good point. So those are the four in that order. But what I say, Strickland, Dyson, Diaz, Maurer. Yeah, I think I might uh, surprise you a little bit with one, but uh, I'll be less surprising to begin to start and just uh, – and- Start with Dyson. I just I think that they there was they said to begin the season that they were going to mix and match, you know, and then you know it was not like things got better from there. Mm-mm. So I I think that you know maybe he's had a couple good outings, but I still I think Dyson's one of the best you know situations to be to be bought into right now. Because it's I also would, a good team in Texas. It's, yeah, and I think David Hernandez is inching his way back. Um, he's pitching the eighth innings again, and he has more velocity and strikeouts than Gomez. So there's a chance there. So I, I, I will, even though the whole thing stinks to high heaven, <laughs> at least I think Philadelphia will grab a closer and make him a closer at some point. So if they make a change, then it's Hernandez for good. Whereas the Farquhar-Colomay situation in Tampa is just 
I think is just foobar. That's that's for a deep league <laughs> situation where you just want to have guys. Uh, I you know I'm I, I don't even really want to be involved in that unless it's deep league. And um, and uh, you know I think Giles is falling behind because Gregerson's pitching well and Giles is not and he's not even pitching in in big moments so. That's really uh, falling behind. So I, I'm not going to include him. I, I'm gonna, I'd rather have Dyson, Hernandez, and I think Grilly is a kind of interesting to me. There's uh, something going on there too. Um, he's back. He's sort of p- pitching the eighth again. But I put Grilly behind Singrani. I Ooh, think. okay. That's the one. You, so you like him to jump? Jump yeah, Diaz perhaps was a big deal for 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 Singrani. He got a hold in a big game. And he's been putting up zeros, been getting a lot more strikeouts than Diaz, pushed his velocity in the pen closer to Diaz. And I know he's a lefty, which in the past, you know, teams are twice as uh, likely to pick a righty um, as they should. It's a hard concept to just say. But basically, they, they pick lefties less often than they should. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Reds have picked a lefty before, and uh, they might do it again. Uh, May is in that group, but it's it's like... May is second to a right now a temporary closer, so I'd rather buy a second guy to a an actual closer full time. Yeah, he gets full time role from him. So just because if, if even if May took it from Jepson, would Perkins immediately get it back? That's kind of the reasoning that I didn't necessarily go with May, even though he's been somebody that I've backed, even yeah, as like an AL only guy that you can have so as your I, next pitcher. If I rank them right now, I'll go. Uh, as pickups uh, for close for for closer speculators, I'll go Dyson, Singrani, Hernandez, Strickland. Okay. I want a little more fire out of Casilla before before more smoke there before I, I leap to that one. But those are my four right now. I like it. It's all basically setup guys with with more velocity than the guy in front of them. That's just basically. More velocity, more strikeouts, and better results than the guy in front of them. That's I've, I've always said. That's what we. That's what we do. Well, there you go. Save speculators. We gave you some more information there. Yeah, we got to get the airport out though. Me, 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 me. Breaking news! Breaking news! What happened? What happened? Best name in baseball has been sent down. Archimedes Caminero? Socrates no. Brito? Socrates Brito. Oh, second guess. Cool. Yeah, I mean, sure. not cool that he was sent down. Cool that I got it right. I'm, I care more about myself. Uh, right. No, that's a bummer. Uh, off to a terrible start. It kind of makes sense. Maybe the, maybe one of the other coolest names in the game could be sent down shortly after him, Keon Broxton, because he's not doing anything either. Um, so, you know, as much as we get hyped on these spring training performances, sometimes they just don't pan out the way we'd hope. He'd been brutal. Uh, I think he was like five for 30 or something for Socrates Brito. So, you know, that's not nearly a big enough uh, uh, sample size to, like, really suggest that he should be sent down. However, I'm sure they're seeing something within, you know, within those 30 plate appearances that suggests that, you know, he's just not ready yet. He's only 23. We'll send him down, get a little breather. It's almost like the Rudnett O'Dor thing where they just said, listen, instead of letting this spiral out of control, go down get get your get get some hits going somewhere where you can feel like you're kind of on that competition level maybe then he'll be back up later we've seen this a million times so uh, are you cutting him flat out in every league uh, except yeah, for NL only i guess could probably deserve it uh, uh, there, there is something weird going on though because chris owings wasn't much better and why uh, do they like him fact, so much chris owings has a wrc plus i've never seen this 
Drizz always has a WRC plus of one. <laughs> in in like 30, 35 plate appearances, right? Because he's yeah. played just as much as Brito. I mean, I've seen worse because I've actually seen negative. I've but seen minus, but one is funnier to me. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the league is 99% better than him. But I've, and, I, and I feel like there's something, there, there's a, I feel like I was watching a game and there was an aha moment like, oh yeah, this is going to happen. But I don't know what it was. You know, they put Owings in late in the game. I know that. And so that said to me, wow, they think Owings is a better defender and center than Brito already. Oh, so he was the defensive replacement for yeah, Brito. So, so Owings came in late to a game and played center. But there's not really a backup center fielder because if you highlight center field on the depth charts and you know, and just minimum PA is zero, the only people who played center field for them this year are Beardo and Owings. So wow. maybe there's a corresponding move coming. Um, I'm just trying to speculate. I'm trying on to think outside. Be. I'm trying to think outside the box. Yeah, I mean, I know that Tomas has been has been better. So please put him in center for the highest of my comedy. I know you're not, I know you're not suggesting that. I'm just saying saying make him a full timer. And then, you know, Ricky week, Ricky weeks is a righty. And so is Owings, I believe. Yes. You know, so there's no platoon option there. David Peralta, you know, borderline possibility of playing center. I guess. Uh, you know, let me see. That's, he's that's a tough. That's a tough situation there. And yeah, he's played. He's played center. He's played center for 126 innings. So, but, that, so then he's the backup right now. Da- yeah, uh, David Peralta yeah, is I the backup. Yeah, I think he can make him the backup. But the corner outfield work for Peralta has not been rated positively. So uh, by DRS or by UZR. So it's I, I doubt. You know, they don't work the same way as other teams. So maybe they don't care that DRS and UZR. But I doubt that they're rushing to put Peralta in center. And he hasn't played an inning for them this year there either. Which you'd think. If they were making that move, they'd make that move. Okay, so Drury, uh, let's say Drury becomes the backup uh, middle infielder uh, or Goslin. Uh, that would be that would be that would make sense with how guys have been working. And then Goslin is the floor guy. You know, if you just need innings, and Drury's the. I was gonna uh, say they're basically a platoon of backup infielder, wherein Drury's the the bat, Goslin's the the glove. Right, and that handles mostly the the infield. Even though Ricky Weeks has, uh, ha, you know, has experience on the infield, his defense wasn't great there, and um, he hasn't played second base since 2014. Uh, so I guess he's the platoon backup outfielder, uh, meaning uh, it's Owings' job all of a sudden. No, that's exactly like. I mean, I There's can't... nothing else, and I just look now on their depth chart or, or on their um, roster resource. Nobody on the forty man plays center field. So yeah. you know, usually you look at the forty man yeah. first, and they don't have anybody. Yeah, unless they start working out Drury out there, which uh, I think if they did, that'd be interesting. But Drury's a right hander too. Yeah, they got mad righties, and but like you said, you made this point right out front on Arizona. They don't operate like everybody else, so. Your logic probably has no place here. We just well, kind of wait and see. Well, if they saw Drury's bat and thought his legs were as good as Owings, then um, you know they—they're obviously throwing Owings into the fire. After uh, let me see here, uh, fifty-three career innings in in center field, <laughs> like the DRS and UZR won't even give him a number yet. 
Well, uh, it won't be good when they I, actually. I don't. I've never seen this defense. He just not. He just doesn't do great at anything. He's and yeah, he's not really a guy you gotta. You know, I guess the shortstop eligibility in deep leagues. I, I've liked him. You know, I thought maybe he used to have a, a shoulder injury that that kept his power down last year. Mm-hmm. So I thought with better shoulder health this year, he could get back up to you know league average power, which he, he has in his history. I've I've so, fallen for Owings, so my disdain comes from having a lot of his terrible <laughs> numbers on my on my roster. So I don't I don't I don't just get rid of him. I'm, I'm not discarding him without a look. I've had Owings in a bunch of spots. I have him some this year too. So I've been to that well a million times. I'm not interested anymore. I'll probably <laughs> keep the share I have because it's NL only and he's got some playing time, some wow. playing time certainty. But otherwise, this isn't a great move. I wouldn't run out and pick up Owings. Um, sorry if you had Socrates Brito. It is a bummer to lose the best name in baseball. He'll be back though. He'll probably go get himself right and come back. I would not be surprised at all. But you know, we got to move on. We got to talk some low-level starting pitchers. These are, these are some of them might be pushing the mid-tier, but for the most part, they're kind of in the back-end tiers. This is going to be more of a deep league situation. So, um, hope those of you in shallow leagues. I guess I apologize a little bit, but uh, maybe you can learn something too because if Vino likes these guys, they could be playing themselves into shallow league relevance. So we're gonna we're gonna start here with Matt Latos, who's got some good surface numbers. The results have been solid so far, but there isn't a lot of skills back up to what he's been doing with the White Sox so far in these two starts. You know, he's not allowing any hits. Really, I think it's. Four hits, 12. I just pulled it up. Four hits, 12 innings, but only six strikeouts. So two walks. The strikeouts are the one part that keeps troubling me because they've just been on a, on a consistent slide now for several years, six and a half and 14. It, he bumped it up a little bit last year to 7.7, but that's still not where he used to be, which was in the eight, eight and a half range. And then this year, only four and a half, two starts. But Matt Latos isn't missing bats the way that he used to, which is the alarming part for me because the swinging strike rate, even more so than the, than the strikeout rate has been really coming down now almost every single year since uh, 2010. So what do you make of Matt Latos early on? Is this somebody that you're buying? And if so, what kind of league type? Yeah, no, I think that's fair as a, and I used to be, kind of be the Latos guy. I, I even bought a little bit of him this year uh, as pure speculation late. I took him in the labor draft at second to last round or third to last round. Already had to cut him. He was one of our first cuts this year. And I'm not even mad that I you know, missed these two solid starts because I'm just i not inspired by them at all. When I, when I watched I watched the second one, I didn't see the first one at Oakland. But is that Oakland at Minnesota? Some nice competition, some nice parks. I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit more that he can build on and 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 get good again, but it's been a while since we've really seen the electric Matt Latos. I loved him when he was with uh, San Diego and early with the Reds. He looked like an emerging stud, and things have really taken a turn for him these last couple of years. And obviously, we know that he's not the best in the clubhouse either. So, I, I honestly don't blame you. I'll, I'll give you another second to kind of wrap up on it, but I don't want to go too deep because I just don't see a lot right now. Yeah, the, the the thing with him is, I, it's against Minnesota and Oakland, and he's been an NL guy his whole career. So, and then if you think about the way he delivers the ball, his release point, and the, the movement on his pitches, I would see that he, probably the first time you see him, it's hard because he's almost like that godly guy where it's just really over the top and not a lot of horizontal movement. He has a lot of up down movement, but. And that's why he hasn't gotten a lot of ground balls. Uh, horizontal movement is associated with ground balls. He never had really, you know, he's had average ground ball rates, but never had a plus one. 
And uh, so I think that um, basically he's gotten by with people not being comfortable seeing him. And as they come back, I mean, he's he's used to have plus velocity and now he's below 90. Yeah, that that's another problem. I should have mentioned that that it, the velocity is really bad too. So I just don't see a ton of upside with Matt Leto. Six percent swinging strike rate, and then he, he, you know, he it's listed as having a split finger, but I think that split finger is the pitch called the critter. That's right, his critter. That's one thing I did like about him too is that he he made up a pitch. Yeah, <laughs> critter. It's a sort of knuckle knuckle changeup that he holds in a changeup grip and then he flicks his finger at the last moment. I think that is mostly, I don't think he actually throws a traditional split finger. So, you know, so he's throwing a trick pitch 10% of the time and it's not even getting him average swing strikes as a, as a whole. So I think that's a bad sign. Boo, Matt Latos, boo. Yeah. I not. guess we're booing him. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm open to, to kind of seeing if he can get better. Because like I said, this guy I've believed in in the past, but right now this skills profile, even in a short sample, just doesn't stand out to me. Especially when you start pairing it with last year and even the year before, when the numbers, when the results were good, 3.25 ERA, 1.15 WHIP, but the skills did not match, um, and and the, that strikeout rate has just been coming down and down and down for Matt Latos. What about Yulis Shasin though? He's over in Atlanta, so he's kind of hidden. He's only 28 years old. Showed some things in Colorado. Every once in a while, he'd have a little run that would kind of get you excited, and then then Coors Field would knock him back to earth, and then bludgeon you to death with a, like a nine earned run outing or something like that. I don't know if he's ever given up nine in an outing, but you know what I mean. Coors can really just muddy the sample right away and, and ruin the ratios. But now with Atlanta, so far so good, like really good. Uh, we're talking 16% swing strike rate kind of stuff. 33% strikeout rate, no walks. It's been really good for two starts, but I don't know, you know, how much we should believe it. What do you think about Yulis Chassin out in uh, out in Atlanta? Well, there's a few things. One thing that's really nice is that his velocity's up. It's not up a lot, but it's up a tick. You know, and it's just I think that can be used as a proxy for good health for him. He's had a lot of health issues, and it's better than the than the opposite. And then the other thing that's nice is that he's allowed to throw his curveball again. And, you know, one thing that he did in Colorado was put his curveball away when he was home and it wasn't useful to him anymore. And in terms of whiff percentage, uh, you know, compared to league average, his curve has always been above average and, and has been pretty good. So, you know, getting it back now, I think, gives him, you know, like three breaking balls. He's going to be the three breaking balls, two fastballs guy. It's, you know, he might have trouble with the occasional lefty when he can't, you know, put those breaking balls in the right places. But, you know, now I, I'd say that uh, he's got that curveball back as a weapon, and that makes him more legit of a pitcher. Um, so, And, you know, if, if you kind of pair it with – he didn't get much run last year with Arizona, only 26 and two-thirds innings. But if you kind of smash it together with these first two starts with Atlanta, you're looking at – a 38-inning sample, you can thicken it up a little bit. 308 ERA, 113 whip, uh, 8.3 strikeouts, 2.5 walks, under 1 homers. You know, if he does that in his if, if he does that in his first 38 innings this year, we'd be taking notice. So, going and he has, you know, and he has a really good sinker. So I think the floor is decently high. I, I'm not sure it's it's really borderline for mixed leagues. I think especially because, because you ain't getting any W's. You know right. that. That's right. And then the career strikeout rate is still more useful than his current strikeout rate. So a career strikeout of 7.5 per nine with, you know, 50% ground balls 
is going to have a decent floor. I think that's why they pick him up. He's a useful guy. He's going to, you know, eat up some innings at above average rate. But it doesn't have a lot of ceiling unless he, this new swinging strike rate uh, is something to be believed in. So, yeah, it has a measure of legitimacy. Like, obviously, I, he's not going to keep it at 16. I think he's an immediate pickup in anything 18 and above. Okay. Oh, 15 and above, if your bench is bigger than 5, 6, 7, you know, if your bench is bigger than 5, I, I think he's – like, I, I'm sad now that he's not on my tout bench, which is 6 deep for a 15-team OBP league, so – yeah, I've been looking in 15-teamers. If you need some pitching, you're off to a slow start. I'd look at Ulysses Chassin, see if you can get some nice innings. I agree with you that it's more high floor than ceiling with the hinge being the swinging strike rate. He's done some good swing strike rate stuff in the past. All the way back in 2010, he had an 11% for the full year and struck out a batter per inning for 137 innings. So if he can keep some of a lot of this, you know, 16%, like I said, that's not going to stick. But if he's in that 10 to 12 range, that's really useful. And that gets him back up over 20% sw- strikeout rate. So, uh, Yui Shasin pricking him up in some deeper leagues, 12 team, still going to need some more time, 10 team. You're not even thinking about it yet. Let's move on to Wade Miley. Who's, uh, you know, if you're looking at skills only, okay. And then you bring in the results to the picture and you want to vomit because it's been really kind of a weird start to his season. A 14 to 0 uh, strikeout to walk ratio so far in 12 innings. Hooray. 17 hits, 11 earned runs. And that's where the vomit comes in. 825 ERA, 142 whip. Two tough starts results wise. I do like the skills though. Anything in those skills that you believe will bring those those results down? He faced Texas twice, so no no, no rollover there in terms of the opposition. Uh, but where do you stand with Wade Miley? Well, it's nice to see a, a change in pitching mix. That's always a good place to look. You know, that's always a, a, a can be a really big deal. And you know, according to Brooks, he's pretty much doubled his cutter usage and his curveball usage, and those are both you know, going to have higher strikeout rates than the pitches they, they replace because he kept his change up in slider usage static. So he basically just replaced some four seamers and some sinkers with, with, uh, oh, this is whip percentage. Sorry. Uh, let me see here. Almost start that over again. Uh, he did, uh, increase his cutter usage a little bit, but it's the curve that's seen the most and the slider that's seen the most, but he has replaced fastballs with secondary pitches. That's, that's for sure. And that's the explanation behind the whiffs that he's got. Well, that's good because so, Wade Miley's fastball oftentimes gets him in trouble. So I kind of like that he's moving away from it a little bit more and getting to some of those secondary pitches because he has a deep arsenal. Um, I just yeah. wonder how legitimate it's going to be. Uh, and, you know, if you look at whiff percentage over, over his career, the change, he's like one of these guys that would have come up in my, in my uh, arsenal rankings a lot, you know, because – He's uh, the change is above average at 19, 20 percent. The sliders at 20 percent. Both of those average around 14 percent. So those are well above average. The curve is, you know, in and out, but somewhere between 11 and 13 percent. So it's basically an average curve for whiffs. And then the cutter, you know, we'll we'll uh, wait to see, you know, get some more sample on that. But even with the change in the slider and the curve being uh, plus above average to plus, you know, and his four seam and sinker, given that he's you know, given that he's uh, a lefty, his velocity is not bad. So he's not like a real bad fastball guy. He's just a meh fastball guy. 
Okay. Uh, so, I, you know, I've always thought that this could be in him, and I don't know why it's it's showing up this way, which is so weird because the whiffs are here finally, but the everything else has gone to crap. Yeah, it's it's uh, weird, and you know, maybe it's just it, maybe it's just Texas kind of getting to him for a couple of uh, big innings. Uh, I'm I'm actually looking at at that now to see if it's been. Uh, it really kind of has though. It's been three innings of the twelve where a large majority of the runs that he's given up, let's see, five, ten of the 12 runs have come in three innings. And, you know, we're already dealing with the uh, two starts, and then we're parsing that up. But I think it's 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 instructive to kind of look at that, though. Is he getting crushed every inning? No, he's just got a few blow-ups. It's not even the home runs. I mean, two home no. runs, 12 innings, with tw- 14 strikeouts and zero walks in 12 innings. I mean... This like this really reads like one of those Babbitt lines, I and mean, you know Babbitt analysis is a little bit, um, you know, uh, shady, and and you can do better than that. But at the same time, it's it, you if you want to pick up a guy in a deep league that might be really useful and might be better than he's ever been, he'd still Wade Miley, you know, because I agree. you know he's had a little bit of trouble with the home runs, and Seattle can help that. He's had a little bit of trouble with Babbitt, 306 Babbitt for his career, and, and, and Seattle and their improving defense can help that. So, you know, what if he has eight, you know, eight and a half strikeouts per nine? He got really close with the Diamondbacks. What if he has that line with fewer homers, the 2014 Diamondback line, where he had eight, 8.2 strikeouts per nine, 3.3 walks per nine, and one homer per nine, and 317 Babbitt? What if he does that line? With a .7 home runs for nine and a, and a .290 batter, that's going to be you know a three seven you know situation three seven ERA one point two five one point three WHIP, uh, really useful pitcher in all leagues. But of course, since he his career numbers are so non impressive, I would uh, keep him to to deeper leagues. Yeah, you're still only going deep leagues with Wade Miley right now until we see. You know, even a couple more starts. I don't think this is a guy that you have to run out and roster right now before he gets snatched up. I think he could even have a really brilliant start, his third start of the year, and and people still wouldn't really be getting on the Wade Miley train just yet. So he's someone to look at. I I actually thought he was going to have make some moves last year with the Red Sox because it's a guy I've continually looked at and thought he's got to be better than this. I really feel like he can be closer to his 2012-2013 results with better skills and maybe this is the year he is still only 29 years old so at least keep him on your watch list i don't think you have to act just yet except maybe in deep leagues uh where where anybody with a pulse uh is really picked up he might actually already be picked up in those leagues but that ugly i would stretch it a little bit further i mean like if you especially if you can put him on your bench like even in tout you know let's see i'm gonna look at my tout team because that's a 15 team this is pretty similar to a lot of people's stuff six reserves 15 team nine pitchers right that's that's a lot of people are looking at that right now mm-hmm. and my bench pitchers right now are jesse Hahn, uh matt shoemaker and david hernandez uh yeah you know i bet you miley's out there and you know dropping Hahn to get miley i would say i wouldn't uh, if you did that i would say okay i understand uh, i'm not going to do that because i don't know jesse Hahn's younger there's less there's less uh, information that he's bad. And he's yeah, I was gonna say he's been better when when he has yeah. pitched. Granted, he's in the minors, but 
you know, I, I don't think I don't think Eric Surkamp is keeping him blocked right, out exactly. there. Right, exactly. They're even in, even uh, what's his face, uh, his his coach Bob Melvin, or the major league coach, the major league manager Bob Melvin said when they asked him about Surkamp the last time, he said we're not making any decisions right now, which is very different than Surkamp is our starter. <laughs> Surkamp's the dude. Yeah, exactly. Right, so exactly. there's uh, there's some uh, there's some fire there. There's some smoke there at least, and and Han can come up. But you know, I think uh, Miley and Han. That's I think there's kind of similar because what you're in both cases, Han has the added velocity. You're hoping that he can put the ground balls together with the strikeouts because he's kind of done them separately. Uh, Miley's very similar, where he's been around for a while. Uh, you're hoping he can put the ground balls together with the strikeouts. He's in a good park but not league situation, and you're sort of waiting on him. So, yeah, I think uh, Miley and Han are about the same level. I, I okay. get, probably if, if we're talking rankings, we're talking uh, 90s, you know. No, no, I, I think that, that that is fair. And to your point even further, I checked the labor mix draft, and he is already owned by the Baseball HQ team, which doesn't surprise me because they definitely uh, focus on skills above results. So you know, I think that's Ray Murphy. You know he's going over there looking at that 14-0 to strikeout-to-walk ratio, seeing some interesting things in Miley's history and saying, you know what, I'll take a speculation. So Don't I, forget, in season, in season, no ERA estimator, no... Uh, no combined stat, no you know, put it all together stat is better than strikeouts minus walks. There you so. go, and and you can't get much higher than your strikeout rate just being it, and that's what it, that's what Miley's <laughs> at right now. You're not even minusing anything. It's just 27 and a half is his strikeout minus walk rate because he hasn't walked anybody yet, and he's and he's been a good guy for not walking people. He has only been but above average, which is eight percent once in the last four years for Wade Miley. So I, again, I will amend. You did sell me. Bump that up a little bit, not just leagues with the pulse. Go ahead and start picking them up in your 15-team mixers where you've got a reserve, and and let's see how this goes with the early results. Now, your next guy here, I'm going to let you open up big time on this one. This is your boy Chase Anderson off to a nice little start here, a couple of really, really nice starts with Milwaukee. We didn't love the park, but it really wasn't a worse park than what he'd been in, so that didn't I, – I know I remember when we talked about him when he got traded. We said everything's kind of status quo. You still just kind of like him as a deeper league guy. The park, again, the same. The team is actually a little bit worse. Obviously, Milwaukee's worse than Arizona. We do know that, but it's not going to be such an impact that you didn't want to go after Chase Anderson. How do you feel after two starts right now? Uh, I don't know, man. I It just screams a little bit too much of luck. Uh, he's had a home run problem his whole career, and now he just hasn't given up any home runs for a couple of starts. And, you know, the BABIP is low, and, you know, there's there's not really a, a good... One thing I do like is I don't think his sinker is as good as his, as his uh, four-seam. So for him to go back to more of a four-seam approach with Milwaukee, I think that makes sense. In Milwaukee has always, you know, sort of been a kind of place where they they think, um, you know, if you think about Estrada and Fires and stuff, they'd rather go for the whiff and give up a few home runs and and then then be really sinker heavy. So that's my impression at least. So him going back to the four seam, I think, should be good for whiffs, but it hasn't been yet. You know, he yeah. has he's not doing any better with whiffs. Okay. And, yeah, that, that, that's the thing that stood out to me. I actually wrote him up for the starting pitcher guide pickup email, you know, just mentioning him, but saying that these results are great, but there isn't really anything behind it right now. Swing strike rate's actually down a half tick. I think it kind of goes to what you said right out of the gate. He hasn't given up any home runs yet. He's definitely going to. That's just part of his game. He's a fly ball pitcher. 
So you're, you're, you're probably not upgrading him in terms of where you would draft him or, or pick him up, I should say. But what league format would you still give Chase Anderson a look? I think 18 plus. Okay. So um, pretty get, deep right now. Yeah, because, yeah, 50. I mean, what he's also done, the other thing he's done is throw the curveball more. And, um, you know, the curveball over his career has been an average pitch. So to take your average pitch and throw it more is weird. To t- to go back to the four seam over the sinker, given you know what happened last year, I think makes sense. But to to throw the curve a lot more and then not see a corresponding jump in ground ball rate or strikeouts or whiffs is a little weird. So uh, given his seven point five percent whiff rate, his seven strikeouts per nine right now represent a high watermark, I believe. You know. So either he's going to have to get more whiffs. I love the fact he has two change-ups. It's really nice. He shows good touch and feel in his change-ups, too, because he's able to sort of differentiate between two change-ups. That's nice. He's shown good command. That's nice. He's never shown a plus ground ball rate, and he's never shown a plus strikeout rate since you know he got above double A. Exactly. So it's just a real low floor. and I mean, real low ceiling, and... I don't think that the, the 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 floor is that high either because, you know, he doesn't have that one skill where you can be like, well, at the very least, you get seventy percent ground balls. You know, like Kendall Graveman, right? Who Kendall will Graveman. who will get to? Don't 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 trump oh. it. Don't trump it. He's Sorry. actually on this list. I'm well, why can we just can we just do the the segue? Oh, we'll transition into him. That, that's fair. That's fair. We'll move the other guy around. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. You're right. You're right. So it is like Kendall Graveman and well, Kendall Graveman has the. The bankable skill. Yeah, that sixty percent. Yeah, sixty percent ground ball rate, which brings his floor up real high. And then if you're if you're comparing ceilings on the two of them, you know, Graveman has a ton of great movement on his pitches, and he's up in velocity, and he has eleven percent swing strike rate right now. And I know that Graveman has struck out a couple more guys, but K nine is not something you should be really like stretching to look at right now because. They pitched eleven innings. <laughs> no, you, yeah, you got. That's why I'm. You're looking underneath any strikeout rate, no matter what it is, on the high end, the low end, no matter what, because five point six is not going to jump off the page to you for Kendall Graveman. But an eleven percent swinging strike rate, it's going to mean a little bit mo- bit more because even in eleven innings, it's it's by pitch, as you like to con- consistently mention, so that you know it's it's going to be a little bit of a bigger sample. It's going to mean a little bit more. He's probably thrown what, um, you know, hundred in. 80 pitches. Yeah. So about 200 pitches, it's going to mean a little bit more that he does have an 11% swing strike rate for a guy who has an 8% career mark. Plus, if he can just be in the 9 to 10% range with that ground ball rate, that's a big deal for Graveman. And I do like that ballpark. What kind of league would you pick him up in? Because he also, before I, I let you answer, I guess I'm going to tack on, he finished strong last year, if I recall correctly. Didn't he have a nice run to kind of close out the season after that horrific start? I'm actually pulling it up now. Yeah, his last 15 starts, Kendall Graveman, 88 innings, 349 ERA. That's not so bad. Yeah, and, you know, the projections, I think, uh, the park factors in Oakland and stuff, they don't give it enough credit. And so their projections are all in the 440s, and I just I don't get it. I watch Kendall Graveman, and I see plus movement. I, I'd almost go plus plus. Like, there's really nice movement on Kendall Graveman pitches. And you talk to him, and I, I don't want to get – you know, fall in love with a guy who, who who talks a good game. But you talk to him and you hear a guy who's struggling, you know, struggling to put it in, in the right place and struggling to have a good approach and to figure out how to make the most of this plus movement that he's got. 
And, you know, just if you look at his sinker, his change, uh, his curve, they all have really interesting movement. The curve is super sideways and, you know, in, in almost has some things in common with Corey Kluber's curveball. And then he's got a change that drops, you know, three, four inches more than a sinker that's already drops a lot. So, you know, he's got all he's got. And now he's got with a cutter. He's he, he just told me he was talking about like, oh, well, I've got curve 78 to 80. You know, I've got change, you know, 81 to 85. I've got cutter from 85 to 88. And now my sinker is more uh, 91 to 93. And what, like, isn't that what you're looking for? That, you yeah. know, as much as, as much as Anderson has a nice and okay curveball and plus changeup, you know, for, for his velocity is below average. And Graven has got more pitches, more velocity, and, and better swing strike results right now. So, I'll put Graveman ahead of, of Chase Anderson, and I've already picked up Graveman in all my deepest leagues, so I'm going to start pushing it, and, um, you know, I, I think I get him all the way up to that Han, that Han and um, Miley place. And, okay. You know, I could okay. see, you know, another week where Shoemaker is Shoemaker and, and Graveman is Graveman. The problem is that uh, this week Graveman has an okay matchup, if you decide that you want to pick him up, pick him up in places where you can put him on your bench because the week after that, Oakland goes to Toronto. Ooh, we don't like and that. I think, I think they go to New York and Toronto. So, you know, it's not uh, it's not a good week to, to pick. I mean, it could be a good week to pick them up if nobody else is picking them up and you can pick them up cheap, but you still have to put them on your bench. So in tout where I'm forced to play all my pickups, it's going to be two weeks if, or I'm going to miss out on them. So. Um, I just don't want to, I'm not picking these guys up and, and putting them in in Toronto. No, I think that that's completely fair, particularly re- regarding Graveman. You still don't want to mess. N- n- nothing's changed from 2015 with regards to the Toronto lineup. You're still not interested <laughs> in messing with them 1%, whether it's righty or lefty. All right. Our last guy, I, I kind of already know the answer here because the, the answer is the right one because of his park, but I still want to mention Tyler Chatwood. Because I'm a, I, I basically want to know if you're interested in maybe road streaming him. He does pitch in Coors. Uh, he's been a guy I've liked in the past. Not much of a strikeout guy, but a big-time ground ball guy. Off to a decent start. Has actually three starts. A lot of these other guys we've been talking about only have a, have a pair. So he's got 19 and a third innings. Um, this is a case where the, you can kind of look at the K per nine because the, the swing strike rate behind it, it suggests that it's legit. But he doesn't walk, guys. He keeps the ball on the ground which helps mitigate homers in a lot of cases, particularly his 2013 when he was, he was, he was getting going with a little bit of something, um, but then got stunted by injury. I believe that was his TJ year. What do you think? Of, uh, I want to see what do you think of Tommy John? What do you think of Tyler Chatwood? And is he a viable road only kind of streamer for you? He's a, yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, the, the curveball becomes more of a weapon for him on the road. And is, is, is he have you looked into his numbers for home and road? Does he scrap it at home? Kind of like you mentioned with Ulysse Chassin. I think, you know, at least uh, they they trust at least less at home. But um, he's a really weird guy. I mean, the, the fastball looks straight or it's cut. And it's it's the point where it's it's so far straight that I think it's actually a cut. So he's got that sort of natural cut on his four seam, which I think plays well in 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 course because 
you know, cut cut works all right, but it's the fade that's so hard to 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 deal with uh, to to replicate in cores. So, By the way, side note, just another reason that uh, somebody like Jake McGee, I, I don't have any issues with him there. First off, the whole reliever versus starter thing is completely different, but just in terms of what he what Jake McGee does, he cuts his fastball, he, he throws it straight, and he focuses on heat. And that's just another reason I wasn't worried about him. Anyway, continue with with Tyler Chatwood. Good, good ground ball rate, you know, and as good a ground ball rate as anybody's been able to replicate in, in Coors. So, um, you know, I just don't see the the skills that are going to lead beyond that to a breakout. Um, and uh, so I'd, I'd call him more of a streamer uh, type. And then, then you add in the, the risk that's his health. I mean, he's it's not just one thing. It's been over and over again. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it hasn't just been the TJ, which is what's kind of stunted him last year and cut off most of his, uh, the second half of his 2013. But just kind of getting going in the minors with the Angels, and then when he first started with the Rockies, it's just been a lot of injuries. So I think that that's a fair critique as well. But I did think that Ch- Tyler Chatwood was somebody that you might want to look at if he's got a double, if he's got a two-step, as as some people like to say when you got two starts on the road, that could work. Um, are there any situations where you'd use them at home, or is this road only? Yeah, road only. Okay, I think that that's fair. I just wanted to see. I just wanted to push push the boundaries, see where you were at with that. So now you if got he, if he if he had the strikeout rate or the swing strike rate to really to pair with it, um, I might take a chance. But no, and we've never really seen that from him. It. Yeah, and I exactly. think it goes kind of to your point earlier. You're mentioning you know he's got the horizontal movement, so he can get the ground balls. But he doesn't have a lot of swing and miss in his game. So Tyler Chatwood, road-only kind of guy. I'm going to throw Han into this, too. You already talked about him. So now we're going to rank all seven how you feel about them with Matt Latos, Yuli Chassin, Wade Miley, Chase Anderson, Kendall Graveman, Tyler Chatwood, and Jesse Han. You don't necessarily have to rank them one to seven. Just who are the who are the top ones that you're willing to pick up again? Go ahead and give us a review. Yeah, I think it goes Han, Han, Miley, Graveman are my pickups okay okay uh, i just like that han's dominating the minors and he's got extra velocity i think that uh, and he's been really good in the majors we, we've seen him be really good for a sustained you know 60 70 80 80 inning kind of run yeah so and and he's a high floor decently high ceiling guy because he's always had more than 50 percent ground balls and he's also had in short stints swing strikes and strikeouts. So, you know, that's a good combo to have high floor and high ceiling. So uh, that's why he's first. Miley uh, is pretty close to is, is it's if you, if you could put away the rest of Wade Miley's career, (laughs) (laughs) if you you can overlook the, what what we, what we know him to be. Then he would be high floor and high ceiling as well because he's actually shown pretty decent swing strikes and strikeouts and high and high ground balls, but somehow he's been less than the sum of his career. But if you look back to what he did in the National League and think that Seattle is going to be closer to the National League than Boston uh, was for him, I think you can still see why there's reason to be excited. Plus the, what we were talking about earlier. So uh, Miley and Han up there. Kendall Graveman is is slightly above Chase Anderson for me uh, for the high floor that I was talking about. The fact that Kendall Graveman is much easier to use, uh, you know, all the time at home versus Chase Anderson. You're either picking your spots at home or picking your spots on the road. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, like you know, Chase Anderson in St. Louis. If we're doing DFS or whatever, 
you know, yes, I'll, I'll do that. You know, Kendall Graveman at home, though, is an, is an easier bankable fantasy bet because, you know, he's going to have more home starts than Chase Anderson's going to be in St. Louis. So. Can, I, can I hit you with a couple names who are not on the rundown? Actually, I'm not even going to ask you. I'm just going to do it. I'm a jerk like that. Uh, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. You said, yeah. You're like, yeah, you are a huge jerk. You know, Drew, Drew Hutchison, our boy, also down there in AAA, kind of like Han, getting the job done early. How do you feel about him right now? And then the other one, another guy that we've, is kind of ours that we've definitely been pumping up, he's getting his chance in the rotation at least this week with two starts. Dan Straley goes tonight after three relief appearances. How do you feel about those two with regards to the rest of those seven guys that we just talked about? My boy Dan Straley, dude. I, I said, you know what? I, I saw that start where he piggybacked with Tim Melville. Yes, and he got like three, three, he, three plus. And he was better. Oh, and I said, I was I better said, than Tim Melville that night. Though. Yeah, I said, just so he, we're clear. He's taking Tim Melville's job, and it happened pretty fast. So, yes. uh, and because it was so obvious, because when you got a piggyback like that, there's he's on your rotation spot. Yeah. You, that's the thing. He's right there ready to take it. If he outperforms you and just cause he didn't pitch the first inning and wasn't the quote unquote starter doesn't mean that, you know, they weren't giving him just as serious of a look as somebody yeah, who yeah. could take that job. So he's taking that job. He gets Colorado, but it's on the, it's, it's at home in Cincinnati. Do you like him better or drew Hutchison? Yeah. I, I picked up a few shares of Dan Straley, got him in my 18 team league. And my 12-team AL-only score sheet, where he was available for some reason. The um, league that we're but, in together? Yeah, got Australia already. Man, I was listening And to uh, I, I, I tweeted that thing out and just went and looked for leagues where I, where I wanted to oh, pick him up. we should explain why he was available. Because you said AL-only nah, on the Cincinnati Reds. So, I don't know that, if people care, but do well, they? I, I guarantee we would have gotten a tweet or a comment that says, How did you possibly <laughs> get... Doesn't matter. We could have the best show ever, and it would be. You made a mistake when you said you got Dan Straley in your AL. Why are you lying to us? We're not lying to you. It's because the score sheet, if you don't play it, has a as a date where they lock the rosters, and everybody on the AL side at that point is available, regardless of if they move over. As you well know, because we've talked about Dan Straley and his movement, he moved from Houston to San Diego and then to Cincinnati. He was on Houston during that lock date. That's why Eno has him, or that's why he was available. Yeah, the right. end. Anyway, continue. Anyway. So, uh, Straley uh, is in the in Cincinnati, so he's a National League in a National League park uh, with a with a, a bit of a homer issue. Uh, Hutchison has had homer issues, and Toronto is one of the worst places for that. So, I'd actually rather have Straley. He's starting now. Hutchison, I guess he's with, you know, you're watching Ari Dickey really, That's, because yeah. you know there's nobody else. I think in that. Uh, in that rotation, that's in as much in, in as much of a, um, a hot spot. Yeah, no way. Haps, Haps looking good. Yeah, and um, Estrada's so, going to stay there. Well, you know, they signed him to a big deal. He's going to have a hell of a leash. Uh, Stroman obviously going nowhere, and Sanchez also looking really good. So yeah, it is Dicky. And he's also a guy that, that has a long leash because we've seen Dickey get off to terrible starts in Toronto, you know, even two months in. And they keep going to him, keep going to him. And by the end of the year, he still kind of works back to his, you know, league average kind of level. He's never going to be the Mets guy again. Probably not. I mean, I, I feel confident saying that. But even the last two years, the perception of how you feel about R.A. Dickey was that he's been kind of crappy. And I look and it's it's league average. It's a 101 ERA plus. It's a 102 ERA plus with a, with a solid whip. So I, I don't even know. I don't know where Hutch is going to get in. You know, the one thing about the red situation that keeps Straley from, you know, 
breaking through and being, you know, someone that I, because I like his secondary pitches, his slider and change, just the fact that he has two of those that bend in different directions and are are good enough that he can almost use them to to anybody in any count, and he has decent command of them. Like that's really good. And then he he had shoulder issues that brought him down to 88, 89, 90 uh, from the 94 where he was drafted. Well, you know, he worked with driveline, and he's back up to 93, you know, 92, 93, which is above average again for, for a righty. So, um, you know, I guess the average uh, the average for him right now is 91 uh, in, in pitch FX. So that, that's a little bit of cold water, but he's hitting 93 again and 94. So uh, the, the other thing that's holding him back is that John, Homer Bailey and John Lamb and Anthony Discofani are all there. And, um, yes, he could beat out Alfredo Simone um, and be in the rotation with Discofani and Lamb or Bailey, maybe. Uh, but the Reds have just some sort of catnip in Alfredo Simone. So, uh, yeah, they, uh, went, they went back and got him. So that's yeah. a good point. And that kind of goes back to that point we made about the closer. Was a waiver waiver claim? Yeah, there's a little bit of that going on in there. You know where we where we like a guy and we and we know that he's more talented, but we still have to kind of go with what the team does. And right now, they've got Simone in there or, or Simon in there, John Moskett. You know these two guys. So they've got a lot of options. Is your main point with regards to Australia? I'm actually going to throw one more guy at you. I'm sorry because we, we're we wait, only got. Wait, I didn't actually rank him though. I put Straley right around with Kendall Graveman. Okay. Okay, so another guy that you're looking at in your deep leagues already, ready to kind of make a move. And if you can still make pickups, you know, I know some leagues, you got to do it on Sunday and that's it for the week. But if you can still make moves, Straley's going to start twice this week. So maybe you didn't like him tonight against Colorado. But if he goes out and pitches well, jump on him for the second start. Um, Hutchison, where would he rank then? Just just, just, just not uh, somebody you're picking up right now? Ahead of, ahead of Chatwood. Um Ahead of Chase as well. Oh, you know, ahead of Latos, I forgot to put Chassin in there. I might put Chassin ahead of Graveman. I mean, that's he could be a starter all year, and he's in the, he's in Atlanta. He's gonna fa- he's gonna face some some bad offenses. Although I wish well, he, he doesn't get to face his own. <laughs> Jinx, we were right on that one at the same time. Okay, so um, I, I got one more for you. It's A.J. Griffin, and I, I really should have put him on the list originally because I do like A.J. Griffin. We're not seeing a ton of, uh, of, of flashy skills just yet in his 11 innings. It seems like all these guys have 11 innings except for uh, who was the one who had three starts. Oh, it was Chatwood. But, but for the most part, these guys uh, have had two starts. One went six, one went five. So we're not seeing a bunch jump out skills-wise. He's got six walks, six strikeouts. But I like what I saw from, from Griffin in 2013. Now, the fact of the matter is he missed two full seasons because he had the TJ and then maybe it was hernia surgery on the way. There was another injury that cost him. So he had, he's missed two full seasons. So we know the innings workload is going to be low. So I'm talking more short term with AJ Griffin. What do you like about, you like anything about him there in Texas for AJ Griffin? I kind of see late career, uh, Barry Zito. That's not that. That's rude. I think he can, <laughs> I think he can sue you for that. That's slander. <laughs> Libel? Well, he's 88 miles an hour with the with the with the fastball. Yeah, and I and he's know, not even a lefty. The the curveball is yeah he's not even a lefty. The curveball is amazing because I can't believe that a curveball that goes 69 miles 68 miles an hour on average for his career 
has has gotten above average whiffs. I don't it's know why insane. anyone would ever swing at that thing. It, yeah. it, it's also the dirtiest pitch on MLB The Show. Obviously, you all know that's my favorite game, but it's so fun to throw that pitch if you can if you can hit the meter right, make it in the zone because people won't swing at it because it comes out so slowly they don't know what the hell is going on. And I wonder if that's the case in in real life too. Yeah. He's really not getting the swings and misses just yet, right? Or I mean, he is getting the swings and misses. The strikeouts haven't been there. His 9.4 swinging strike rate for AJ Griffin's actually a career high right now, but not measurably higher than anything he's done in the past, which has been 8.9 and 8.6 back in 2012-2015. You know what he's doing right now? He's doing the Rich Hill. Oh, is he opening with his curveball? Yeah, he's throwing throwing his curveball in the zone and hoping they don't swing at it. Well, he probably has better fastball command than than Rich Hill. My God. So do you. Rich Hill is, is pulling teeth, man. That guy is... I think I might rather have A.J. Griffin than Rich Hill right now. I know Rich Hill has, has been doing the crazy strikeout thing, but if if uh, if Griffin has like a little bit of whiff of command about him, uh, which he did in the past, then I think he should be better off. Rich Hill like like can't can't find the zone with a fastball. I got some it's... really snarky because I, I kind of jumped off after the the first start, and I know that he was kind of thrust into it because of Sonny Gray's food poisoning. And, but with the bad spring and the fact that he's, you know, 36 years old and, ha- you know, had taken forever to kind of get back to the majors, I just said, you know what, I'm already done. I am already done after one start. I know you can small sample size me to death. I'm just done. Well, then he had that good start in Seattle, 10 strikeouts, five hits and in six innings, one run. Oh, you, know, you really think he's done? And then immediately, the very next start, right back to KC. Yeah, he struck him out six times in four and a third, but they clobbered him for nine hits. I just don't want to deal with it. At this point, it's really just the heartburn and the stomach issues that he'll cause me being on my team. That's why I'm out on Rich Hill. So I agree with you. I actually would have Griffin higher. Yeah, I mean, he can throw the curveball for a strike, but he can't throw the fastball for a strike. So it's like literally pitching flipped on its head. And He takes pitching backwards to, to the next level. Yeah, and I don't know. It seems like if I was facing him... I would just try to retrain my brain to swing at the curveballs and not swing at the fastballs. I don't know. Maybe it's so hard because they've they've had the opposite imprinted in their brains for their whole careers. But or or maybe they are because they've gotten 17 hits off of him in, in his 13 innings. So yeah, we're not we're not super keen on Rich Hill. Um, how high does Griffin get on your list? And on this list that we've been making here, just I, just I'm gonna pick out my favorites. Are there Wade Miley? Uh, Kendall Graveman, uh, Jesse Hahn. Those are my favorites. Okay, okay. There's a second grouping of of Chase Anderson, Huli Shasin, um, and Straley. Oh, you already Gr- said Straley. Straley. Sorry. No, I don't think I put Straley in the first bit. The first group, the first group is Miley, um, Graveman, Hahn. Oh yeah, Hahn, Hahn. That's who I was Han. thinking. Okay. The second group is more the grounders with like a little bit extra or, or something, you know, so that's the Graven Anderson, uh, Griffin Straley group. And then the final group is Chatwood Hutchinson Latos. They're, um, mostly, uh, not, uh, piquing my interest. Makes sense. All right. There you go. Deep leaguers. We got you some pitchers to pick up. Good luck. We'll probably circle back on a few of those guys as the season goes along. Cause I think there is some intrigue in that group. Let's jump into the mailbag. We got an email from Brian, 12-team mixed, daily moves, four SPs, two RP kind of lineup league. No utility 
uh, pitcher spot. So you can't just no no straight P. It's it's starters or relievers. He said I lucked out and succeeded in my speculative uh, Roberto Osuna pickup after drafting Chapman and Kenley Jansen. I also own Rodney. Don't do that. Thus, I have three elite closers and one, well, closer for now. Was offered Julio Tehran for a role this Chapman. Worth it giving my glut of closers or hold out for someone better? Does Tehran hurt more than help? Listen, I'll say this one first because I'm the the known Tehran guy. I'm not doing that. No way. No way. I think he, even if you just wait till Chapman gets back and people kind of see it and, and, you know, realize what he is. Um, since we haven't seen, we're gonna, we won't have seen him for a month plus. I think the second that he goes out, starts throwing a hundred, has that first save for the Yankees. His price, that what he can get you in return, is going to go up twofold, threefold over over what it is currently. I don't think Tehran's the right enough upgrade. Um, even with Osuna and Jansen kind of giving you that that glut, I think you can get something better. What do you think about this Chapman for Tehran in a twelve-team mixed, where it's only four SP and two RP? Yeah, I think that you have the right you have the right feeling. And then the only other thing that I want to add in terms of strategy is that you don't have Chapman now, and you might actually have this great thing where Rodney lasts just until Chapman comes back. So. I, I, I did this. I you I have Rodney as a bridge to Chapman in, in a league, not not the, exactly this kind of league, but the but the same kind of deal. I was thinking, you know what? Just just get me a month of saves and don't kill me, please. And in a 12-team mixer, I think you're going to find another reliever. So I think what you what you need to do is as you know as Rodney starts to to blow up, you know if if there's any sort of stuff in the news about a change happening or they're going to mix and match, I think you just need to be out in front of that and drop him early because you have the soft landing of having of having Chapman for you. So you know best case scenario is uh, Chapman, uh, Jansen, another closer that you can maybe trade or something, or you take that Rodney piece and you go pick up Baez or something when, when Rodney's falling apart. Don't do it yet. Or Brandon Maurer. You know, pick up the yeah. guy who could who could just succeed him and, and be pretty decent. I kind of like Maurer. I would, just be, I would just be out in front on Rodney because you're not going to get anything in a trade for Rodney. No. But I also don't think that you necessarily need to need to uh, trade your way out of a glut at any point. You know, okay. he's not back any day. So you don't, right now you have three closers and that's more than anybody else has or more than most people have. So especially the quality that he has Jansen Osuna and then Chapman with yeah. Rodney lingering there. That's a good situation to be in Brian. You don't need to trade out of it just yet. I firmly but if there, you know, if there starts to be some fire with Rodney, it was smoke with fire, smoke with Rodney, then just, then just go, just yep. go. Cause you, you'll don't be even fine. wait. Because you know that he can do the, he can do it. He can pull a Tollison. He can go zero outs, five earned on you, <laughs> and you're so fast your head will spin. You don't want that on your ledger. So I agree, and I'll be acting the same way. Once I see smoke with Rodney, I'm done. In fact, we're done as well. Eno, sweet segue, Paul. Um, that's gonna be it. We'll be back on Wednesday. Eno, you hooping it up this Wednesday or what? I got it, man. I, I hope everything's going to be in one place and I'm going to get some sleep. Uh, but uh, right now I feel good. I'm going to go out and practice. I'm uh, I'm practice. settling in at about uh, 20 for 45 from three in practice. So Whoa. That'll uh, work. Gotta, trying to push it to one out of two in practice. I feel like one out of two in practice uh, is about one out of three in play. Sure. Uh, that is actually something I wouldn't mind asking pl- the players about. It's something that's sort of 
uh, on my mind is to talk to players about practice and talk to them about BP, you know, uh, what does batting practice velocity look like? Would it be better if they actually had a real pitcher in there giving them batting practice? Or at least a pitch machine that could ramp it up because, you know, these right. these coaches can't necessarily ramp it up much more than 70-something. Right, except they, they come in from closer, so what is the Oh, yeah, that's actually a good velocity? point. That's a good so point. Uh, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in um, – also, pitching practice, like bullpens and stuff, I have gotten to that a little bit because uh, Doolittle pointed out that in spring in, and the offseason, they can't really get to peak stress. They can't they can't mimic a game um, in the in the offseason mm-hmm. uh, because it's just they don't have that same adrenaline and the same rush. So, that makes sense. I also wonder what that means for command. What if you practice at you're practicing with a 88 mile an hour fastball or 87 mile an hour fastball. And then you go in the games, it's 95. What does that do for command? Because Kendall Graven admitted to me that he was, you know, throwing a 88, 89, 90 mile an hour fastball last year, 90, 91. And now he's 92, 93 with the fastball. What does that mean? And he said, yeah, I had to sort of refine my zone. Trevor Bauer said that, that one tick you can get from April to August can change your command because the ball doesn't move as far because it doesn't have as, as much time to move so it's interesting to me that you're that you would throw a bullpen at like 80 percent effort uh, trying to improve your command or whatever and then you go into the game and it's nothing like that i think that is a really interesting topic and i do hope you explore it and write about it but i'm also very interested in who says we talk about practice to you in the alan iverson voice so please keep a chart of that every time you talk to a player and they look at you and say we talk about practice because yeah. I, I, I just, I just want to know, and I want to know those players because those are the cool players in the league. So we need that as a supplement to whatever piece you write about this this stuff. No, but that's a really, really fascinating topic. So hopefully you're able to get some info on that. You going to the yard at all this week? Yes. I don't One. know where yet. Let's see where I'm going. It's I, the I know roulette. San Francisco's home. So where are we going, roulette? It is Arizona. Well, you're going to San Francisco to see Arizona, yeah. right? So I, I will be talking to... Are you going to get to talk to your boy? Yeah, I'll, I'll check in with him again, although, I don't know, he might be in a bad mood. I'm a little bit salty. I'm feeling a little bit salty. Unfortunately, uh, Goldschmidt's never given me a good interview, and Robbie Ray is pitching. Yeah, he's so pitching on Tuesday. Won't, won't be uh, able to touch on those guys. Ruby has just been stinking it up. Don't tell him that, though. So... That Maybe I'll get to talk to Jake Lamb. We Ooh, talk yeah. Swing. Although I think um, he did just talk to David Lorelau. Well, Jeez. Explore Patrick. that Brandon Drury thing. See if they're working him out in center or something. Since we yeah, don't we don't know this center field that. thing. Yeah, a little bit is Shelby Miller. What the hell happened? What uh, is your hand all right? Are you gonna <laughs> get better, please? Um, what was going on other than the hand? I don't know if that's a good lead question. Are you gonna get better, dude? Dude. Are you going to yeah. get better? Got to hit him with a dude. Well, is Patrick Corbin? You ever talked to him? I, I, I like him. Yeah, I, don't I would know. actually wouldn't mind talking to Corbin about succeeding without a changeup. I mean, he throws a little bit, but, um, you know, he's, he's you know, if Robbie Ray ever works out, it, he could, you know, look to Patrick Corbin for some for some advice. Well, that, that'll be great. So you get to the yard, you'll get to the... Uh, oh, there's my story, dude. What? Robbie Ray, Patrick Corbin has something to say to you. <laughs> And then you can get the tips from Corbin, give them to Ray, and pretend like you came up with them. 
and then you build all this this real good favor with uh, with Ray. Like, Eno Saris changed my career. And then Corbin's like, I told him all that. Well, there is actually, yeah, I'm 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 almost acting as an advisor to some players now. Players are coming up to me with questions for me. So that's awesome. Uh, on Friday, uh, Jed Lowry was like, uh, I'll write about this, but Jed Lowry was like, you. I did this with this launch angle and this exit velocity and here and then can you look this up for me? So That's pretty cool. I'm now doing some research for Jed Lowry. That's that pretty cool. Well, for I have one tip. Just don't be a dipstick, okay? And uh, as long as you as long as you don't be a dipstick, we'll be back on Wednesday. You know, I hope you have a good good couple of days and stay healthy. We'll talk to you. Yes, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>